Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the award-winning Hospital Finance Podcast. Illumicare recently released an analysis that looked at whether or not involving multiple physicians during an inpatient hospitalization prolongs the length of stay. To share the findings of this analysis, I'm joined by GT Laborde, CEO of Illumicare. GT, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. GT, why don't you start out by telling the audience a bit about Illumicare and what you do there? Well, we work with health systems to collect uh, both clinical and cost data in real time. Um, so every order for every medication and lab and radiology test, along with every day updating the wholesale cost of those medicines, for example, to those health systems so that we can, we can tell physicians in real time what every one of those orders costs. Um, and we can also, because we know every, every order, every provider in the hospital and what they order and how they order and ultimately how sick those patients were, what disease category they were in. We can also sort of profile the behavior and the practice patterns of those physicians to see which ones kind of spend the most or are the most efficient and are the least efficient and so forth. And as a business, we, we have a way of, uh, of, of in real time kind of coaching them and nudging them to more efficient care. Excellent, and I, and obviously, as part of what you do, you you get a, a access to to a lot of different data points, which I think led to the analysis that you did. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about that analysis and, and what specifically you were looking for? You know, uh, very often we think that getting a second opinion in medicine is a good thing, right? Um, that the more the more heads you can have, the more sort of clinical brains you can have on your case. Um, the likelier you are to have, uh, I don't know, a good outcome or to get the quote unquote right answer. And in healthcare, what we see a lot of, particularly someone that stays in the hospital for, for several days or longer, um, is, is that you have these handoffs from one provider to another um, or the involvement of lots of different providers um, on the case. And that may be a hospitalist who may rotate off of their seven days on and hand off to a colleague who takes over in the middle of the case. It could be that that hospitalist might consult other specialists um, on the case. He might bring a nephrologist or an oncologist or whatever, depending on the underlying diseases. Um, and what you wind up with um, is a lot of cooks in the kitchen. And the question that we chose, that we looked at was, What's the implication of, of that, of all of those handoffs? Um, does that cause excess length of stay? And is there a relationship between the number of providers who are actively involved in a case and the length of stay of a patient? And can you just briefly explain how you conducted the analysis? Sure. So what we did was um, we took a subset of our client base. We have um many oh, hundreds of uh, facilities that send this data, but we looked at the facilities that we had really good data uh, from uh, as to who the ordering provider was and what specialty those providers were in. And we required um, that whatever hospitals we included in the analysis, we had to have, uh, we had to know who the provider was and know what type of provider they were on 75% or more of the orders of that, of that health system. 
Um, and then we kind of looked at um, those providers who were actively involved in a case, which we defined as someone who wrote an order for a medication uh, or a radiology test or a lab test. So there could be some providers that were consulted and might have, you know, offered an opinion, but if they weren't, but if they didn't actively order something, we didn't even consider them as part of what we analyzed. And what we went about doing then was with these thousands and thousands of, of inpatient admissions is began to sort of analyze what are the effects of having multiple physicians um, on the case and does, does length of stay change the more you have? And so the first thing that we found, we took sort of a simple cut of the data and just simply said, what's the correlation between um, the number of unique providers who are actively involved in a patient, you know, in an inpatient stay and their length of stay? And what we found is that once you pass three providers who are actively involved in your case, every additional provider added about 0.6 days to the length of stay. And, and the correlation there continued all the way up to 18 different providers. So it, it's, you know, the, the R square on that was, was 0.98. It's almost a straight line correlation between like every additional provider that you have adds another 0.6 days to length of stay. Um, so it was pretty amazing to see that tight of a correlation um, before we begin risk adjusting or any other methods. Yeah. So the short story, um, when you, when you looked at the results was more doctors, longer length of stay. And, and, and I think the second point that you made in the study, which is maybe the, the, the natural go-to for a lot of people is, 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 Hey, you know, a sicker patient's just going to require more consults, more doctors will be involved. And so, uh, you have to adjust for risk, but, um, you basically found that that was the same story. There was really no, no change there as well. Isn't that correct? You're right. So the way that we risk adjusted um, uh, is that we said, okay, well, that's, let's not look at things so broadly. Let's compare patients in the same DRG. So um, as you and your audience probably knows, um, you know, DRGs are, have been a 40, 50 year experiment by CMS to, to classify patient admissions into ones that are roughly similar outcomes, and each one of those have a, have a published geometric mean length of stay. Um, there are about 900 disease categories that those fall in. And so we looked at the data and said, let's only consider those DRGs for which we have at least 100 admissions in each one of the hospitals that we were doing analysis of um, so that we didn't allow you know, smaller numbers of admissions to kind of skew the analysis. Um, and then, let's compare patients within a DRG that had one provider on the case and then two providers and then three providers and so on. So the question became, if you controlled for acuity by using DRG, is it still the case that the more providers you have, the longer you stay? Presumably a, a patient in a DRG, say heart failure without complications and comorbidities, you know, within that category, there shouldn't be a reason for one patient to have five providers and another to have 15. They're roughly similarly, you know, uh, sick and, you know, without other comorbidities. So when we, when we use that as a way of risk adjusting, we found this correlation continue to exist. It, it didn't really begin linearly until you exceeded five providers. Um, but once you hit the sixth provider and on, and we had patients all the way out to 40 different providers, 
we saw the same linear relationship. So as you add another provider, you are adding length of stay, even controlling for how sick patients were. We kind of looked at this a different way too, Mike. We, we also considered, well, is it a function of how many other subspecialists you have on the case? So is it, you know, presumably really sick patients would have a nephrologist and an oncologist and, you know, multiple subspecialties on the case um, and not just a hospitalist or two or three or four hospitalists, for example, who are handing off to one another. Um, and so that was another way to sort of control for how sick patients were um, by looking at the number of non-generalists, if you will. Um, so we looked at hospitalists and we looked at how many other non-hospitalists had were on the case. And we sort of said, if you had five different providers, but three of them were hospitalists, we're only going to consider that like two, two others, if you will, two subspecialists. And even when we controlled for the number of subspecialists on the case, you know, we said, okay, well, what about patients that have, um, you know, that have only one other subspecialist or two other subspecialists or three other subspecialists? It turns out even all the way up to seven other subspecialties, it's still the case that uh, the more of those you have, like if you have two oncologists, or three oncologists on the case, um, it adds incrementally, linearly to your length of stay. So it's a relationship that no matter how we tried to sort of explain it by patient, Ill, you know, by patient acuity, um, the relationship, the correlation still existed, that it's, that it's really a, it's a bad thing, if you will, all of the things being equal to have physicians handing off to one another in the case. And, and it sort of makes sense to us, like, Every time a new provider comes on the case, you know, it's almost like a new, uh, it's almost like a new, um, like a new detective coming to solve a crime, you know, on the same case. Like you start with one detective who sort of gets his theory of the case and examines all the evidence, what happened here and formulates a, you know, a hypothesis about it and is working through in the middle of that, they stop and they hand it off to another person. Well, that, that second person then has to start from scratch almost, right? And maybe, you know, and try and pick up, okay, what happened here? And what, what's the evidence? And let me read all the, the notes and form my own opinion, my own hypothesis, what happened here? And as soon as they get to it, up, oh, you stop and start all over again. So these handoffs, you know, you know, one can hypothesize how inefficient they can be. Um, and especially in this day and age where a lot of physician notes are copy and pasted of a ton of information, we've sort of lost some of the some of the the ease of kind of reviewing everything that's happened so far and everybody's everybody else's opinion that came before you and that's what we think kind of contributes to this uh to this effect of really adding the length of stay and you also found that some providers uh, just consult with other doctors more than others yeah so when we thought about okay well what do you do about this i mean it's 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 interesting to know that this correlation exists, but there is, but is there any way to manage this? Um, so if I'm a, you know, hospital CMO or a CFO, how can I turn this into actionable information? And it turns out that you're exactly right, that, um, that some physicians tend to over-consult, if you want to think of it that way. They, they consult much more frequently than their peers, even when you control for DRG and, and other kind of patient factors. And we found huge variation in the propensity. We studied specifically hospitalists and asked how many other non-hospitalists um, do they tend to consult? And we only looked at hospitalists that had a pretty, you know, a pretty large number of encounters 
um, that we were studying so that we could get a good feel for how frequently this happened and not, not allow one or two, you know, sort of quote unquote train wreck patients to, to muddle the numbers. And what we found is, you know, on average, hospitalists tended to consult for about 4.3 other non-hospitalists per admission. But there were some hospitalists, in fact, you know, the, the highest on the list averaged 11.8 non-hospitalist consults per admission. And we thought, wow, that's crazy. That must be someone who, you know, who barely made the cut of 20 admissions. Surely, surely that's an outlier in the data. No, actually, that provider um, had seen 265 encounters included in that. So, so that average wasn't just one patient skewing or one or two patients skewing the data. That was across, you know, quite a number of admissions. And it just, it just highlighted that, that this is something that is actionable, that you, you know, that you can begin to look at your providers and see their propensity to consult other, uh, other specialists and other providers. Um, and they probably have no idea. They may think either they're practicing defensive medicine or, you know, they're quote unquote covering all the bases, but it really does have a negative effect on length of stay. And we know that, you know, the longer you stay, it's not more, just more expensive for the hospital. Um, you increase the iatrogenic risk of patients potentially getting infections um, or other or other complications um, as you extend their length of stay really unnecessarily. Um, and so it is something to begin to manage and to think about and to measure uh, kind of this consult rate, the propensity of your generalist to consult other specialists in the hospital. GT, what do you think the implications uh, of this data are going forward? Well, I guarantee that no, I have never met. I mean, I've been I've been in the healthcare technology business for about 21 years now, and and measuring outcomes and behaviors and so forth. And I've never met a CFO or a CFO or anyone kind of at the C-suite who even measures this. Who could even tell me um, who are the doctors who tend to overconsult in your in your hospital? Like generally a CMO would know one or two kind of the worst offenders at that, but it's not something that they manage, you know, it's not something that they measure or manage to. So we are kind of, as a result of this um, analysis, are, are starting to look at that for our own uh, clients. Um, and I'd encourage other people to see if they can measure it internally um, and again, to think about and have conversations with and try and drill down, like for the people that are really the, the highest, you know, consulters, um, to try and understand why they do that and talk with them about it and see if they can't um, understand sort of the negative effects of that and manage that down. Because I think, it, you know, ultimately, if we can kind of take some of those outliers and bring them back to the mean, um, we can not only be more financially efficient as a hospital by lowering length of stay overall, but, um, but provide more efficient. We know that efficient care is better care for patients. Um, and so we can, we can kind of help patient care at the same time. If someone wanted to read this analysis or find out more about Alumicare, where can they go? We've put this analysis on our website at, at alumicare.com. Um, we've also, this is the second kind of uh, cut of research that we did. The first one was um, looking at which, uh, which provider types have the highest variation in spending um, given the same patient type. So um, we've also are asking folks, um, we've got three or four more uh, research ideas and on our site, they can actually vote for the next e-report that we release. Um, we've got 
we've done some preliminary analysis to look at other things and are interested and we'll continue kind of putting out this sort of research. GT Laborde, thanks for joining us today on the Hospital Finance Podcast. Mike, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for doing this. If you have a topic that you'd like us to discuss on the Hospital Finance Podcast, or if you'd like to be a guest, drop us a line at update at Bessler.com. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.